My name is Andy Dorado. This is Furthermore. We take the month's bestseller from the New York City bookstore where I work, we read the first 50 pages, and we decide, would we delve in or would we shelve it? Today on Furthermore, we're taking a look at Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, I know that sounds familiar. We did the book part. We're looking at Little Fires Everywhere, the TV show. A little while ago, Andrea and I got together and read the first 50 pages of Little Fires Everywhere, the book. But today, we're looking at Reese Witherspoon's produced version of the TV show starring... Well, Reese Witherspoon. Andrea and I wade through the very first episode of this Hulu series to decide if we would rather delve into the TV show or the book. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Furthermore. My name is Andy, and I am joined again in these quarantine-timed... Bye, Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Andy. Skyping in from New York again. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm reasonably certain that I am a real person who exists. Did you eat a meal today? I did. Good. Yeah, I ate a meal. Good. Uh, I exercised. I, I I showered. Nice. I think I am a real person. You are. I spent the day, uh, what what downtime that Risa and I had, she did laundry, and I spent it portioning chicken breasts, chicken thighs, and then cutting a pork shoulder because I'm going to grind it to make pork dumplings. And sometimes I wonder about myself, like, you know, we're, we have a newborn. What the hell am I doing buying a pork shoulder <laughs> to portion out and make <laughs> dumplings? But hey, these are the things that, like, you know, I can't... I gotta make dinner, and I want to be fun it's about it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yep. I feel like with quarantine, like Coming? I'm experiencing myself as a toddler. Yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> like. Well, good. Well, there you go. We're we're living our quarantine lives, trying to get outside. At least it's been kind of nice. Trees are blooming. You know, it's been funny because when we we moved here in in. February and all the trees were dead. So now it's like a fun waiting game of like, what kind of tree is this? Like, I, I'm like, oh, okay, what am I getting here? Uh, Reese's favorite, one of her favorite things in the world are ginkgo leaves. And I'm fairly certain that on the sidewalk right outside her house, there's a little ginkgo tree. I, I sincerely hope because... Uh, fingers crossed for ginkgo. Well, man, I feel so sad and pathetic. I'm like, what birds did I see today? How are the trees? <laughs> oh, oh, God. But, well, I'm really happy Andrea is back because we are talking about the Hulu uh, adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere. Now, Andrea, that was the, the first episode of Furthermore you did. And I, if I remember correctly, I said that I would put the book down, but you did, in fact, finish it, right? You wanted to delve in. Read the whole thing. Yes. And, I, you know, we have that episode. I don't want to talk too much about the book, uh, you know, again, because, you know, we we'd already done that. Um, but, and I think even in the recap episode, I had, I had called and said, you know, Hey, did you finish it? What did you think of it? But just real quick, just, you know, give me your impression of, of the book itself and like a little, you know, snapshot. Did you end up liking it a lot? Are you happy you, you followed through with that? Uh, okay. This is, this is one of those moments where I have to. I, I love honesty, and I also hate honesty, because I, I also like niceness. Um, and, and I did not love this book, Yeah. honestly. I I mean, I 
but I did read it very quickly. Yeah. Like, there were parts of it that I did find really enjoyable, and I think, like, when you want to move through a book quickly, like, there's there's a lot of pleasure in that, and, like, yeah. just, like, sort of, like, taking you over. Like, I've definitely read books where I had to kind of, like, keep pushing myself forward. Yeah. So, so the engine of this book is, I think... Like it, it runs quite well, but yeah. it, it just wasn't my favorite. Was it was it the plot? Was it like what happens in the book? Was it sort of how it all resolved? Or I, I remember one of the things that I sort of found that didn't make me want to keep going was that I could sort of see, I, I guess I could sort of see how the story was going to go. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not like I always need the plot to turn and twist in a way that I don't know, but it, it felt like sort of, you know, what you were going to get out of it or what these characters were going to learn, you know, you could kind of call from the start. And that to me just wasn't super appealing. Did you find like that kind of thing or? Like, I think my, my reaction was similar to yours. Hmm. I, I did find it predictable and, uh, and, and that was also one of the reasons why I think I wanted to keep reading. Yeah. Uh, like it, <clears throat> there, like there's pleasure in, um, and being able to predict something, you know, it, it makes you feel smart. Yeah. You know, when you when you say, "Oh, I think this is going to happen," and then it actually does happen. Right. I wanted the characters to be more surprising and more nuanced. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't feel like my understand. I didn't feel like my understanding of the world was being challenged right. at all. Right. I, on the other hand, I don't know that that was the book's purpose. Right. So that it was trying to challenge, but but I wanted more of that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's certainly been um, something that I've seen a lot of people even like question about like, hey, you know, so-and-so told me, I mean, there's a lot of word of mouth about the book. So like, you know, so-and-so said I should read this book. Like, should I read it? Like people asking, you know, recommendations for it of like, what did we think? Yes or no. I know a lot of book clubs did it. And, you know, we talked about in the episode, clearly it was enough to catch Reese Witherspoon's attention because she wanted this TV show. She wanted to do this and, and she, you know, stars in it as well. So it's definitely still out there. This was the first thing that I had done on the podcast that wasn't like the new release that month that just sold really, really well. It was like, you know, we had sort of had a, a month where there wasn't a big release and people were still buying that up. So so yeah, this this was a, a Hulu show produced by Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine Company. You know, it stars Reese Witherspoon and uh, Carrie Washington. Child actors, I mean, I think everybody everybody was sort of cast well. They look like a, they certainly look like a family to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, good job on casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when you heard that the show was coming out, was it after you had read the book? Yeah, it was after I'd read the book. And did you want to watch it? Were you like, cool, I'm in for that? Or having read the book, were you like, eh, I'm good? No, I wasn't too interested in the show, honestly. Mm. Um, and maybe I would have been if I really loved the book. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like, I heard it compared to Big Little Lies. I did watch Big Little oh, Lies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought Big Little Lies was, like, Big Little Lies was, like, it was entertaining to me, but it also wasn't, like, it, it wasn't my show. Like right. I, I wasn't the audience for Big Little Lies, so, right. uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't uh, chopping at the bit. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this right. definitely, this was definitely one that I was like, I, I almost feel the way I feel about normal people, where like I wanted watch the first episode of that for the podcast, but when I heard they were making a show out of it, I wasn't super like, wow, I would love to see that as a TV show because it was like. I, there's something about sometimes like 
a book can just give you a little bit more than a, a show can, I think. And I guess for me, unless it's something where I really feel like, you know, visually, when I heard that they were doing Good Omens as a TV show, I was like, yes, because just seeing yeah, all of that, that yeah. interesting stuff come to life. Whereas this, you know, I, I could tell is going to sort of play out more just in the, you know, in the relationships. Like that's the intrigue here is, is that. So even Big Little Lies, I'm not too familiar with the plot of that, but it seems like there's a lot more sort of mystery and intrigue in that than than this. Yeah. Well, I read, um, I read the review of show that New York Times did. Yeah. And... And they, like, they, uh, the reviewer said something smart, which I thought was applicable to the book as well. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I have, is it okay if I read the quote? Yeah, go I wrote for it. it down. Yeah. The quote is, uh, rather than presenting characters in the round and then developing them, it presents characters as terms in a moral and cultural equation and then slowly reveals their past. For the viewer, the surprises are in the revelations and not in the choices the characters make. And rather than seeing the characters grow and change, we just see them being moved around on the game board. That is a really like spot on quote to me. That was I mean, that was really the way I felt about the book was like I could see where the, the pieces were going to were going to move. Like I could definitely see that. Yeah, I agree. Like I read that and I I that was spot on for me as well and and also how I felt about the book um like I agreed with it I thought it was it's like kind of an invulnerable position to take mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of risk right right that. yeah it sort of felt to me like a story that didn't want to get in trouble yeah like didn't want to say the wrong thing it's all and maybe that's being unfair or un is it ungenerous or ingenerous? I never know. I think it's in, but I'm going to say I don't know either, just so I don't sound stupid by making a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a really yeah. low-risk position to take. I, like, I'm, I'm very stupid about stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's generous. Yeah. Um, well, despite the fact that we're not going to talk more about the book, I do still want to end the episode today, not so much with deciding whether or not we would delve in with the TV show or not, but choosing which one we would rather do because I always think that's the more interesting thing and, and you know we're both we're coming at it from sort of a different position you who've finished the book I'm really curious you know like would you given the chance again would you just keep going with the book and for me who, who didn't finish like to make the call here you know which one would I rather would I rather do so let's let's hop right into the show here um, I closed my notebook on my page of notes but let's hop right in uh, to the show here so the show opens uh, with everybody watching the house burn down, which is the the way the the book opens. Um, and I'm gonna try to stop talking about the like like we've all already done this before. Um, the show opens with a family watching their house burn down. Uh, and actually, my first note in this was, did they really burn a house? Because this is the kind of thing like back in the day, you'd make a model and burn the model, right? But I was like. Yeah. shit did they like really build the exoskeleton of a house and burn it because it was it was impressive like it didn't seem computer generated yeah. <laughs> i was like whoa so they're watching uh th this house burn down and the kids are watching from the car the parents uh one of the one of whom is reese witherspoon um it, they talk to the police and the police are asking about uh, a character named izzy who we, we come to learn um is the daughter of the family and the police are, are really just pressing like do you think um, Izzy did this. And actually, before I, I keep going on, for some reason, 
this was one of those shows where I could not keep a damn person's name straight. I like every scene forgot everybody's name except the, the youngest daughter. Um, and like, I just, I don't know why. Um, and I still, even right now, like I'm having trouble remembering, um, Elena is, is Reese Witherspoon's character, Elena Richardson. Like, I just like, even in my notes, I was like Reese Witherspoon or like, I don't know, maybe it's something about like having high profile actors sometime. It's just like, I just remember it as Reese Witherspoon or something. (laughs) Yeah, no, same actually. That's true. I, I, I remember it. I was good at remembering the kids' names. Yeah. But have. I was not good at remembering. Yep. They all have unique names. Like even, um, you know, the, the Richardson family, well, it's, it's what? It's Trip, uh, Trip, Moody, Lexi, and Izzy. Like, okay, I can remember Trip and Moody because those are weird. Um, and, and Pearl, uh, you know, uh, the Warren, you know, me, and, and but, but I couldn't remember Mia. I couldn't remember Carrie Washington's character who was Mia, who was the mother. I just, I couldn't remember Mia and Elena for any reason. I don't know why. It was, it was crazy. So, so right, the police are talking to Elena and her husband, uh, Bill, Bill, her husband, Bill, um, asking, you know, did Izzy do this? And, you know, right away, here was something that I found as a big difference between the show and the book. Number one, they they sort of present this show as a whodunit. I felt like they were really pushing this like, the house is burning down, but who did it? And like, if you watch even the trailers and stuff, they really want you to feel like Mia, this character that comes in later, the, the other family, they want you to feel like it was her, or maybe it was her daughter, or maybe, and you know, they're asking Elena and Bill at the beginning, did Izzy do this? Did your younger daughter do this? And they keep saying, no, no. And the kids are in the car. And I don't know, just in the book, I remember the kids in the car just like, shit, she did it this time. What's wrong with her? Like it very much was presented as just like, Izzy burned the house down. And this is how it happened. Whereas this, the show, I just really feel like they're kind of trying to push this angle of like, who did it? Who burned the house down? You're gonna have to wait and see it. And I thought that was very strange. Did you get that sense or is it just me? I, not, to the, not, not to the extent that you did. Um... Just because there are like there are scenes with Izzy playing with fire. Yeah, absolutely. So so it, like it does seem like to me it was pretty clear that that she did it. Was like yeah, yeah and that she did it. I mean you're right. Like there are um, bits of dialogue that are changed, so you don't have that immediate sense of the siblings understanding that that's what happened. Seeing it on screen did make me wonder how believable a character Izzy is at least she's a like she's a kind of normal angsty teenager who then burns her family's house down yeah and and that's such a like crazy and unstable thing to do that it made me wonder if if her character needed like a little more instability to justify the largeness of that action yeah um just because, like, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole house. Right, yeah. Yeah. Down. Yep. Yeah. So, so that, I think that was what I noticed, first of all. Yeah. It, it's impressive to see that the house burning on screen, it feels heavier. But I just thought the tone was so different. Right. And I, I think that part of it is when the kids are like, oh, shit. What happened? Like, who did this? Do you think she did it? It feels so weighted. Whereas, I don't know, just maybe, and it was maybe the way I read it in the book. When the tone of the book is more like... What the fuck? Why? Izzy does this stuff yeah, all the time. It, 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 yeah. yeah. 
it's just like it's for some reason a little easier if all of her brothers and sisters are already like hey izzy did this and that's messed up then i i don't know i feel like it's less of a leap but yeah you're you're uh, more ready and able to go on that yeah 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 but anyway Um, we we move on to uh to a morning montage i actually wrote in my notes ew morning montage alarm clock still because it's something that begins again how many damn movies and tv shows have you seen that start with alarm clock ringing and somebody hitting the alarm clock like come on yeah no this was actually where i started to get mad and i didn't like it like just like just because i i in the book i think one of my one of my complaints in the book which we already talked about was Mm -hmm. i didn't like i didn't like the feeling that the characters were stereotyped yeah they they didn't really surprise me that much and and i felt like that was like just pumped into overdrive in the show like elena's character is so like she's cartoonish almost like she's she's not real she's so like she's so into schedules um and another like this is another thing i mean that new york times review i thought really was smart but it said that uh, one of the points it made was that it, it seemed like Reese Witherspoon was like playing a version of like maybe a character she would have played in like election kind of like there was so much hyperbole in her performance and right. and I so I didn't like that because I felt like well right away I think she's not real I can't identify mm-hmm. with that I mean I, I guess that representation is it can it can be useful because it's it's saying something about rigidity right. but but beyond that, like, blanket statement of rigidity is bad. Right, right, right. And yeah, and I mean, the mother, Elena, the yeah. mother, the, the character that Reese Witherspoon plays is is in this so much more. Those first 50 pages that we read, she was sort of a blip. She kind of popped in and out a little bit, but so much more of it moved through the kids. Um, and and I, I actually like that, whereas this, it's it's her show. Like, it's it's all about Elena. It's all about the things that she does and the things that she says and how those, you know, those things move around her. Um, and, and this opening montage is her, you know, doing all the things. She, she hits the alarm clock. She makes everybody breakfast. She's, you know, she's, she's super mom. Um, and, and we move through this and, and, you know, we, we see the kids eating breakfast and, you know, Izzy comes downstairs. They're all off on the road and Izzy comes downstairs. She wants a different breakfast than she gets and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it really was funny to me how, I mean, right down to the, like, dad coming downstairs in his tie with his briefcase already out the door kind of thing. Like, but we are introduced to the family here. We are introduced to, like, you know, Andrew and I said, uh, Moody, uh, Trip, the oldest son, Lexi, the, the uh, second oldest daughter, Moody, and then Izzy is, is their youngest daughter. Uh, and after this, we see Elena, the mother, give Izzy a ride to school. And as they're going to school, wait, I have in my notes that they see somebody. Oh, yeah. No, they see somebody in their car. There's like this old beat up car pulled over. And Elena, you get this like, OK, she's she's a little worried about this kind of sense. And the next scene is she's at work and she calls and reports it to the police. Um, and, you know, one thing the show I actually feel like the show hits a little harder than the book did was that this takes place in the 90s. Um, and it's not super like it doesn't shove it in your face, but you know even right down to the, like the things that the kids wear. Like I think Trip oh, is in your face. Yeah, really? Oh, I didn't. I mean, I thought it was like there, but like like the music, like everything, <laughs> everything is nice. Like it is so nineties. There was the oldest son has the like shell necklace, which I thought was really funny. Um, and playing in the background. Like, yep. there's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody. Is, 
I forgot what it was that somebody, um, they were calling somebody else and they're like, I have to go. My minutes are up. And I just, I thought that was great. I was like, oh my gosh, remember when people wanted to talk to each other on the phone enough that your minutes could run out? Like, come on. Um, so, so at work, you know, the police come and, uh, and we, we were introduced then to Mia and to Pearl who are living out of their car and they've come into this town. Now here's, here's actually something that was pretty different in the book. There's a whole lot about Shaker Heights, about Cleveland. Like we know where we are, you know, it feels very much like at, at the very least you could tell the author Celestine, she really wanted to talk about Cleveland, about Shaker Heights, about that. Um, and that comes in a little bit less in the show. Um, but I don't remember, and, and I think we just have to touch on this. I don't remember if specifically in the book, Mia and Pearl are black. Is that something that I just missed or not? I mean, I don't... No. They are? Yeah. Okay. I just can't, I couldn't remember. Um, and I, I felt like the show pushed on this race thing a lot more too. And maybe I didn't get a lot of that in the first 50 pages. You know, maybe that comes into play much, much later, but I couldn't remember that. Um but yeah, so we see them living out of their car and there's a scene where they go into the grocery store, you know, they buy some stuff, but they also shower in, in the uh, the sinks there and they're brushing their teeth. Um, they buy groceries, they go back to the car and uh, they, they're looking at the listings and Mia, the mother, says to Pearl, her daughter, you know, this one looks good. So they go and they meet Reese Witherspoon's character, Elena, and she shows them this apartment Um they, you know, they want to say no, blah, blah, blah. And, and this turns into very much, a, a, you know, Elena rents them the apartment uh, under some, you know, conditions. She, she waves a couple of the conditions. And, of course, then the rest of the episode, everyone's like, you rented to a homeless person. You're so sweet. You're so nice. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and, and there is where we get the, the Shaker Heights backstory as Mia and Pearl are unpacking stuff. You know, they're reading a brochure, which actually I thought was kind of an interesting. I mean, in a book, you literally can just stop and begin a chapter with Shaker Heights was blah, 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 blah. And, and she really doesn't put it through a character. It was nice to see this sort of in scene, the characters reacting to some of the weird things about Shaker Heights, like the fact that uh, the streets are set up so that kids, when they walk to school, they don't ever have to cross a street with cars for safety's sake. Like the rigidity is in the place as well, not just in Elena's character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and then here we come to this, I'm sure, is one of the things I, I mean, I had this in my notes of just like, you know, this is so awkward. Here's one of the rigidity things is, you know, we they, at home, we see Elena and Bill, they're talking and, you know, Bill kind of starts to, to get a oh, little flirty with her. And what is she? Yeah, she says something like, uh, it's Tuesday night, we can't have sex because it's not Wednesday or Saturday. And like, that was where it was like... It was just too much. Yep. Like, it's, it's, like, she's an insane... That, that's just that's such a crazy thing. Yep. And I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that precisely because it seemed to me... And I, I do agree that like one of the, the things that they were able to do with the show was highlight the like the race relations issues yeah. that the book that the book deals with yeah and yeah. and so it, like it's clear right away that that's like something that they're interested in yeah. they want to they want to talk about that and and so like that's incredibly valuable but to make elena's character that almost like comically rigid yeah to me it's another it's another sort of invulnerable position to take because there's no risk in that. Like, you know, all of the answers, like, right. you know, like what Elena does is going to be wrong. And so that puts the viewer, 
Like, I just, I've been thinking about that and wondering, like, does it let the viewer off the hook a little bit? Hmm. Like, do we, like, we're not really being asked to interrogate. Right. Not in a way that I, I, I guess I, I would want if we're really asking what, like, what have we done historically that's, that, that, that's wrong, that needs to be improved upon. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, this is not a this is not a book and not a show about heroes and villains, right? There's no there's nothing like that. But but it sort of paints people into like you're right. Everything that she's going to do is wrong. You're always going to root against her, you know, presumably because she's the kind of person that schedules everybody's life out and is so controlling and is so condescending towards this black woman that's moved into her neighborhood. I mean, she's the kind of person that sees a car and you know, again, it's like how much of it is is. Can you, you know, do you see like where she is in, in, in this town in Cleveland and like, oh, you see a card, this is the kind of call the cops thing, but you're not really interrogating like, why did she do that? You're like, of course she's going to do that. She's the kind of person that when her husband wants to have sex, they can't because it's only Wednesdays or Saturdays. Like she, she fits into these boxes and she's never going to act otherwise. And, and I think one of the things that, that I did appreciate about this show and kind of what you were saying though is, you know, it's, it's very heavily in the nineties. But I appreciate that it's like, yeah, this was still a thing in the 90s. Like, we let's not pretend like, you know, it's, I mean, it's the kind of racism that you would sometimes see in a show about the 50s or the 60s. Like, yeah, the black family moves to the neighborhood and everybody doesn't really like them or they all think that they're homeless or whatever. And it's like, yeah, this shit still happened in the 90s. Yeah, we have to kind of face that. So in one way, I was like, OK, I appreciate that they're presenting that. But right then on the opposite coin. Elena is just so they put all these little things in that you're just like you you root against her the whole time and I don't know if it's you're supposed to root against a character from the beginning like that because I, I don't know you want to see that character grow or or combat things and not just be like yeah you're dumb why do you do these things I don't know yeah I mean it, like it made me think a little bit of um it, like reminding me a little bit of the the latest the latest little women that came out uh-huh because um, when that came out, so like there have been, I think, three versions of Little Women. Like there's been, like yep. there was a... There was one way back in the 30s, yeah. right? And then there was the 90s one, yep. and then one. And, um, and when I went to see this new it, this new one in the theater, I remember I didn't like it as much as I liked the 90s one. Yeah. The reasons was I felt like it was like a little too woke in its interpretation mm. of mm-hmm. the time period. Yeah. And then I thought, well, like maybe this is, but like maybe this is also the thing with remakes, you know, like maybe we like we like to look back at a time period, and like we like to we like to demonstrate that we understand what was wrong. Yeah. With the time period, like we yeah. like to be be like, look, I I can look at this time and I can see that these are the things that were happening that were bad. Yeah. And um and this episode reminded me a little bit of that where I felt like you're showing me something that I would have experienced in the nineties and you're trying, like you're pointing your finger at these things and like, you want me to see what was, what was going on yeah. and understand what was wrong with it. Right. Right. That was the way I felt about the, uh, the new Anne of green Gables that they did for Netflix. Oh, and yeah. I never read Anne of green Gables as a kid, but Risa did. And well, that show, yeah, I mean that show really sometimes rides the line of like, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a TV show. It's a retelling. Like, I, I very much feel like you should be able to do what you want with these characters. You're not presenting me a nonfiction history piece. 
but there are a lot of things in that show that's like, no, so-and-so wouldn't have had that attitude or they wouldn't have done this or this or why, you know, like they really play with it. But it just, what what ends up happening sometimes is it feels very much like a product of, of the time now, right? They just discuss topics that are, are topical to us right now that then I think that it doesn't really hold up then, you know, years later. Um, and just as like a dumb example, that would be, that would be like, you know, seeing something in the 30s, like you know, like a remake of Anne and Green Gables in the 30s where they all they talk about is like the economy and avoiding the Great Depression. Like, yeah, that might seem very topical then. And even though Anne of Green Gables didn't talk about those things, you know, talking about it then might have been, it just, it kind of dates it like that. And, and you know, I, I never feel like you should stop your writing or anything to, that's dumb to try to write something that will live forever. But at the same time, it's weird sometimes to like, pick the things that are on our minds right now and put them in another period, in, in another time period. Um, you know, it, sometimes it works a lot and sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, but, but that all being said, I, I do feel like they, I do feel like the race stuff was well done in this. I liked that it was, it was a top, you know, I liked that this was friction. I just felt like even Mia's character, she was just, I, I she was just so, I always like to see some bit of warmth from characters and she's very warm with her daughter, but everybody else, she's just, it's like she really hates being there. And it just made me wonder, why did you even stop and settle in this little town? Like, why bother being here? It felt like she was, whether for, for right or wrong, I'm not saying she shouldn't be afraid of the people in that town, but it just, it felt like she absolutely was like, nobody here is going to accept me. Everybody hates me because of who I am. So like, why stop? I mean, they're, they're living in their car. Why stop? Why, why, why not just keep driving around? Like, I just needed something in, in her besides her daughter. And even then, like, you know, she says to her daughter, you know, we're going to settle here. And her daughter really wants to, Pearl, her daughter really wants to, you know, do the rest of her school year in one place. And she's like, I'll think about it. I'll think, it's not even like she, we see her consciously make the decision of like, I want Pearl to have this. So I'm going to do it. Even though I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to do it, which I think she does in the book. I feel like I remember reading Mia be like, I want this for Pearl, so I'm going to do it. And I think Carrie Washington's a great actor, and I just, I didn't really care for her character. I just, I, one of my notes here is everybody is so awkward. Like every conversation is just like, it's not even playing the subtext. It's just like, hello, hi. So you don't have any money, do you? Because you're homeless and you're black. Uh, yeah, I'm an artist. It's just, it's like, I don't know. A lot of it was so, so kind of overblown for me that it just felt awkward for the adults. I thought the kids actually were like, I liked them. They felt like normal conversations, but, but anyway, back to, back to the story. Um, so we see Mia and Pearl and, you know, they're, they're Mia, Pearl has her own room finally. Uh, and you know, they've moved around a lot. And then we get this weird little flashback scene for Mia that comes up a couple times where she's riding the subway and there's this weird guy staring at her. Uh, and actually, the subway was like super 90s. Like it was super graffitied and everything. That I kind of laughed at. I was like, all right. Okay, cool. Uh, and then we get to what I remember most about the book, which is um, the youngest son, Moody. He goes over to their house to introduce himself to Pearl. Um, and we see Pearl laying out, you know, her bedroom on the lawn. And, and they have a night. There's another montage. This was the second montage of the thing where it's like, you know, them like getting it all set up and like painting and stuff. And, you know, I wanted that one. I wanted to see some like spin doctors like, uh, you know, 
Was it Spin Doctors or Don't You Want to Call Me Baby? Like that, I feel like that song should have been in that scene, but you know, all right, whatever. I guess we couldn't go full blown there. Um, like, you don't know. They might have been saving Spin Doctors for. <laughs> maybe, so. yeah, maybe it's later. Not enough third eye blind in, in this episode is really what I'm, I'm getting at. Um, we go. <laughs> We go then to Elena at home with a, a friend of hers who's just had a baby, and uh, you see Lexi sort of looking after the baby. But uh, as as Lexi brings the baby back down, there's sort of a panic, and they run upstairs, and Izzy, the youngest daughter, has burned her hair. So first sort of foreshadowing about, about this little fires everywhere. Now, Elena and her husband um, are sort of, they sort of differ on their opinion of Izzy. First of all, Bill keeps calling her Izzy and Elena keeps correcting him. Isabel, she keeps saying, and he keeps saying Izzy. Um, she's supposed to play this uh, this big concert with the Cleveland Youth Orchestra, you know, like a big opportunity for Izzy, and she sort of keeps trying to sabotage it uh, all along the way. Um, there's, there is a scene there where uh, Elena and Bill are discussing her, and Bill brings up, you know, Elena says we should send her to therapy, and Bill says, well, have you thought about going to therapy? Which she dismisses. And this again, this is another scene where, like, She's having a glass of wine right before bed, and it's Wednesday, so it's sex night. But then, oh no, it's not because it's twelve oh one. As as Bill starts to get yeah. into it a little bit, I was like, "Come on!" Yeah, crazy. You had the glass of wine and everything. You could do it. Uh, and so so that we move there. Uh, we see uh, Izzy getting a haircut, which you know Elena is controlling everything about the haircut. And outside, Elena bumps into Mia. Uh, they talk about, you know, Mia being an artist. This was a pretty true conversation, though, I feel like, of, like, you know, Mia is an artist who makes her money making art, you know, and she does photography, mixed media, all that kind of stuff, and Elena gives her the like, but, but what's your real job? Like, what do you actually do to make money? Because, you know, she considers it a hobby. That being said, Mia is, you know, working shifts at a Chinese restaurant, and Elena offers her a job as their housekeeper. Again, really pushing this sort of, like, awkwardness of, of this, you know, Clearly, Elena does not know how to speak with a black woman. I mean, that was, like, very clearly evident. But to a point that's kind of awkward, I mean, and, like, what did you think about this scene? Was it was it enjoyable to watch this kind of thing, or did it just feel kind of clunky and awkward to you? Well, I mean, it, it did feel clunky and awkward. I think that was probably intentional. Yeah. It seemed like it was really important that they demonstrate just, just how bad we can be. Yeah. At, at dealing with race. I mean, it was, again, it's supposed, the, the, the characters don't, they really don't seem to, I mean, obviously they don't connect, but they don't seem to know how to talk to one another. Elena just doesn't know how to, to, to talk to her. And Mia seems to carry some sort of preconceived dislike for her. But on her end is where I didn't really get I it. I don't think she carries a preconceived dislike. I think she's responding in the moment. To, um, to Elena's super awkwardness. Elena, uh, just not, she's not attempting to hide yes. her, like, her disdain. Got it. I agree um, with you on that, yeah. That, that's the way that I, that's the way that I saw it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I thought that was something that they were, like, they were trying to show not just, like, that the experience of a white woman talking to a black woman and, and uh, like allowing a black woman to register um, feelings like, like disgust or confusion right. or just like registering 
that this person who's talking to them like is doing a bad a poor job yeah. of it that's what it seemed like to me yeah i think as we're talking about this i think actually what i would have really liked is to see mia have a conversation with somebody other than her daughter or the richardsons i think as as i'm thinking about it i really just wanted to see her in this new place and i want to see is it the rest of the time i mean i think later later she you know she died but like a scene independent of anybody else i really just wanted to see more like i would have actually liked if she was in the restaurant and then maybe elena uh, went yeah. inside or something i think yeah, I don't really get a good sense of her like and i think in the book you in the book you get a better idea of who she is yeah because there are scenes with her and the uh, oh my gosh I'm blanking on her name the the name of the baby's mom biological mom yeah who who works at the restaurant yeah yeah, yeah. I Do I don't she- remember because I didn't read it but <laughs> I remember that that is a yeah. thing yeah and I I mean again I, I I totally agree with you like it's not like I think that. I think that that scene was purposely awkward because we're supposed to feel awkward for those characters there. Um, but I just remember one of the things that I learned in acting school actually is when you get a script, you go to, to find out more. One of the things you can do to find out more about your character is go anywhere where other characters discuss your character and read those and highlight those. And that's, that's you know what they call given circumstances. Like if I'm playing a character who, you know, left his wife and characters talk about that and they say, you know, wow, that guy was a real jerk. He did that. Like, that's a given circumstance about my character. Number one, that it happened. And number two, that the people around me think that I'm a jerk. And so I guess it's just one of those ways that when other people talk about the character or you see them interact with other people, you just, you find out more about them. And I don't think that in that, in this first episode, Mia had enough time with anybody else but her daughter and Elena for her to be illuminated in any special right. way. Even yeah. in that flashback they keep giving her, she doesn't speak to anybody in that. She just sits on the subway and, and that guy just creepily stares at her. Weird, weird guy. Um, so, but this, I mean, this episode was so much longer. It's so funny when I do these. It's like you can see where the first 50 pages end and then there's like a whole other part to it. So, uh, of course, Mia is sort of, you know, offended at the suggestion that that she, you know, needs to be her housekeeper. Part of the suggestion is like, oh, you don't make enough money doing your art or working at the Chinese restaurant. You need this. Like, it feels like a charity case. And, and, you know, of course, Moody, the next scene we see Moody bringing Pearl home. And here is what I'm talking about. We're like, we see Pearl interact with the whole Richardson family. So we sort of see how she interacts with, you know, the other the other characters uh, and, and things like that. Helena offers her dinner. She ends up staying for dinner. Uh, the kids tease Izzy, who, you know, runs upstairs in, in a, a fuss. Um, and Elena ends up calling Pearl's mom to say, you know, she's going to have dinner and we have the dinner scene with the Richardsons. And then Elena gives Pearl a ride home. I actually thought that was a nice scene. Again, just like watching two, those two char- those two characters interact by themselves, you know, Pearl independent of any of her kids, Elena just, although I did wonder why Moody didn't go with them. Like if I had a crush on a girl and she came to my house for dinner and my mom was like, okay, I'll give you a ride home. I wouldn't be like, okay, bye. Go spend time with my mom by herself. I'd be like, I'm coming too. I want to come too. <laughs> like, so yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, to me, the Pearl character felt like the most complex. Yeah. Of all the, of all the characters. Like, 
I think Izzy, like, Izzy mm. didn't feel super interesting to me. Mm. Just because she seemed like another type of caricature. Yeah. Like, she's, like, like the angsty artist. And, but, like, you know, they've got this, like, each daughter being drawn by the other mother. Like, that did feel human and relatable to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but, like, but I, I thought that Pearl was interesting because we can see... We can see her desires conflicting. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like yeah. she, she wants to be an artist. She also wants to be she wants freedom. Yeah. Like she like like you can tell she loves her mother's wildness, but she's clearly drawn to the structure of this family and yeah. seems to really respond to Elena's character. Like she likes Elena's stability. Yeah. We we, um, we see like, what she wants. Got that like other characters i i thought like that is something that's that that's a great teacher a great instructor yeah uh, but you don't really get that with most of the other characters yeah i i mean i know what mio or i'm sorry i know what pearl wants and uh, i mean again i i think back to acting class too of like when you get a script you know you have like what does your character want in the long run and you can see that pearl wants you know she wants to spend her year here she wants her last year of, of school to have some stability and she wants that. But then through the episode, you each scene, you see what she wants. The other characters, I don't really know what Mia wants in the long run. Like what does, I don't even know what Elena wants in the long run. And sometimes it's something I remember sort of getting, uh, you know, some, your, your acting teacher tells you like, pick, you know, tell me what you want. And you go and you're like, I want to love my family. And that's like, that's no, that's a crappy thing to want. Not like in terms of like, the aspiration it's just not a strong thing to play you can't play i want to love my family like that doesn't help inform your character if all you're trying to do is love your family kind of thing so so that's what that's what i talk about with, with this stuff and i totally agree with you i think pearl is a little bit more realized than than other characters speaking of the next scene moody brings her a bike buys her a bike i think he buys her a bike uh and and he brings it to her they go to the this junkyard where um moody has this the back of this van is like his like hangout spot uh, he's a complicated artist yeah which they stole from the cartoon show ed ed and eddie they had a, a van in a junkyard where they went and hung out <laughs> it's like what the heck uh so uh, they they go and they hang out there. Then we get this sort of uh, these, these interplay scenes of Izzy getting ready for her concert, and she's wearing like this like super like punk outfit, like cutoffs and like you know these gloves. And her mom is like, "No, you can't do that. You know, you can't wear that." Uh, and you know, then Moody and Pearl have this nice talk in the car about poetry. You know, she she really likes poetry and and you know the things that she's interested in. Moody has now read, so we see them you know kind of connecting a little bit. And then the scene of, of Izzy at the orchestra, she goes to the concert, she goes and, you know, she's sitting there and the orchestra starts up and she's not playing. And, you know, her, her parents and her brother and sister are in the audience and like, what's happening? Why isn't she playing? And she just slowly turns to her mother and she's written in permanent marker on her forehead, not your puppet. She's <laughs> like, yeah, you're so punk rock, Izzy. Uh, so, you know, clearly... She's, she's, you know, she and her mother at odds and she has then ruined this big opportunity, which, which makes Elena very upset. Meanwhile, Moody and Pearl in the back of this old van, uh, they see some lights pull up and, you know, uh, it seems like they are in big trouble. 
um, the the police seem to to come. So they you know they all reconvene back at Pearl and Mia's house. Mia is very upset. You know, it, it turns out that it wasn't the police; it was the neighborhood watch that went in there. Uh, and I, there was this interesting little thing in there I, I, that I, I'm not sure if it was just. I mean, I, I assume it's something I picked up on for a reason, which was, uh, you know, they're in the back of this van and the lights pull up and Pearl says to Moody, like, what's going on? And he says, I don't know. This has never happened before. So to me, that meant somebody, maybe somebody sees Moody go into this van and they're like, ah, whatever. He's just a kid. But he goes in with a young black woman and then they call the neighborhood watch. Like nothing good can be going on there, uh, which which is, you know, of course, the, sort of the way Mia feels as well. You know, they, they have a... a huge fight pearl and and mia and this was there's sometimes in shows where you know when when two characters have a fight there are sometimes where you 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 sort of feel the subtext underneath their fight and you know it, it feels very real to to fight about something else you know sometimes you get upset about something and you take it out on somebody and it's not exactly you know the big thing that you're mad about so you make it about something else i mean this this really wasn't I, I didn't love this fight scene and I think it's because I was I was siding too much with Pearl. You know, she's sort of saying to her mom, like, some families have structure and you said that I could stay this year and Mia is like, Nope, that's it, we're out of here. Like, I'm done. I don't like you hanging around with this family. You know, she says something in there like the police are not your friend, like this could have been really, really bad. We're leaving and you know, she says something to her along the lines of like, How lucky are you? You've gotten to go all over the country, like what kid has what you have? And I don't know, I just felt like I sided with Pearl a little bit too much of like, yeah, but on the other hand, can't you see what your daughter wants? Like, maybe she doesn't want that. She didn't choose that. You chose that for her. So, I don't know, did you like this this big blow-up scene or? No, because I, like, I did really side with Pearl. And, and, I, and I think that's a little bit of a like switch in interpretation in the, the show. Because mm. I, I didn't get that in the book. If, yeah. I mean, it's been a little while since I read it, but... I remember Mia's character in the book being a little more nuanced in terms of the way that she approaches life with her daughter. And yeah. she like to me in in the book, she came across as understanding what her daughter needed. Yeah. And like those needs conflicted with her own needs and desires as an artist, which is like that's a great and interesting thing to explore. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that didn't come across to me in, in this first episode. It yeah. seems more like your classic mother-daughter. I, I mean, again, I go back to needing to see Mia out in this world a little bit more. She seems very uncomfortable here. And to me, it seems like the main reason she's uncomfortable is the Richardson family, which is fine. They're, they're uncomfortable people. But is there anything else that makes Mia want to stay? Like, I don't. is there anything... Is it good for her art that they're there? Like... To me, it feels like what is she, whatever yeah. it feels like she's letting go by saying to Pearl, we have to go. Because then at the same time, it's like, yeah, clearly your mom hates it here. Just go to the next town over or whatever. Like there, yeah. there wasn't, I could definitely see what Pearl wanted and it still don't know what Mia wants. It seems like Mia wants to go. So it's like, just go then. I, I don't know. <laughs> just, just leave then. She's your daughter. You could just. Tell her they're going and you're going. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So they have this big fight. There is this nice symmetry in there, though, of of uh, the two mothers wondering about their daughters. You know, I, I do feel like structurally that, that worked with Izzy just having that big scene where she blew this opportunity that Elena was excited about and then 
Pearl getting in trouble with this. And so, the, you know, there is there is nice symmetry in those scenes where, you know, um, Mia and Pearl have this thing that they, they talked about. You know, they used to have this wall that they shared in a different place and they'd knock three times, meaning I love you. And in the midst of being really mad at each other, you know, Mia knocks on the wall and she waits and she waits and finally Pearl knocks back. And then Elena goes and she, she goes to stand outside. It seems like she's going to go in and have a conversation with her daughter, with Izzy, and then she just ends up leaving. And on the other side of that door, Izzy is there. And I, I actually did kind of like that because instead of them having a big fight and, you know, Elena saying, you need to do what I tell you. And Izzy saying, no, I don't want to. And we get the stereotypical that it seems like they both wanted to talk and they just didn't know what to say to each other. And yet at the same time, they're still disappointed that they didn't talk like that's stronger to me. You don't always have to have that big fight or that big conversation. The subtext is there. We know what they want and yet they don't. And I thought that was that was actually a nice scene. You, I like in shows when those things, you know, those things happen. When you when you watch things and you you know you you can pick up like, oh, this is an episode about this. Like you see the through line going. This one is very much about mothers and daughters, and maybe the next one will be about young love or you know, it, it starts working. So um, the next episode uh, or the next episode, the next scene, Pearl goes back to the Richardson house to return their bike. She's invited inside, uh, and Mia. Seems like she knows that Pearl's there, so she goes to the house. Um, she like weirdly takes a picture of Izzy out on the front lawn spray painting something, and then she and Izzy have a little conversation. Um, and, you know, she she tells Izzy to get this different kind of spray paint, and and that artists have to stick together. Uh, was uh, I didn't make it this far in the book, so do Mia and Izzy sort of have a little like connection? Yeah, yeah, they like so so the two the, there's like a mother daughter switch thing that happens. Like Pearl ends up connecting with Elena, and and Izzy ends up connecting with Mia because cool. they're artists, and so yes, that is something that happens in the book. That's cool. Did you like this little scene? I I mean, I thought the beginning of it was kind of weird, where she's like in her car and she's just taking a picture of her. But then I liked this little conversation that they had. Um, I mean, it like it felt like it tracks with her character. He's yeah. an artist, photographer, and yeah. she's photographing everything that she sees. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I felt neutral about it. Like, yeah. I think by this point, I, honestly, at, like at this point, I'd already decided I wasn't into the show. Yeah. And so I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't terribly gripped. Right. Right. I, yeah. You and know, because like I read the book, so like I right. knew I knew what was gonna happen. Right. And so I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So Mia goes inside, and and there's a moment where she kind of watches Pearl you know, just hanging out and, and talking to the Richardsons. And then she says, you know, Pearl, it's time to go. Elena pulls up. She's pissed at Izzy because she's spray painting something in the lawn. But then um, Mia says, you know, okay, I'll do it. I'll be your housekeeper. And, you know, Pearl and mom, Pearl and Mia drive home. Mia has bought Pearl a bike. Weird sex scene. I, I, it's like not not with Pearl and Mia. Jeez, no, sorry. Um, then we get you know uh, Elena and Bill, and there was like this weird sex scene. I don't know. I feel I feel so funny because I feel like on the podcast I just make fun of when there's like, like nudity. Why? why are we watching? Right. This? I feel like I kind of poke fun at when there's nudity or sex, and it makes me sound like a big prude or something. I don't give a shit. I just I didn't feel like that added anything. It was like nobody was naked, so you don't even get that. And then it was just like this weird, like slow, like, oh, they had sex. Great. Hey, editing Andy jumping in here because the audio got corrupted. Andrea right here says that you could argue that this is a more nuanced moment for Elena and Bill. It's nuanced between Elena and Bill. Yeah. Like, as 
she is enjoying herself. Right. So. But it's Saturday. It's not like she's. It's not like it was Friday and she was like, I just need this. No, but she's still enjoying herself. That's true. Okay. So, like, I'm. I'm gonna argue that there is some interesting stuff there. I mean, it's like it is a weird little scene, but yeah. like if we're supposed to see Elena as like this uptight person who is like all about schedules. Yeah. She is engaged in this like fundamentally like carnal and sort of dirty act. And there you she's go. Having a good <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and is this the scene where uh, it might have been an earlier scene where her husband has just the the most hilarious tidy whities on? I can't remember. Oh my God, I have a note about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is. Thank you for Joshua Jackson and tidy whities. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like the beginning of the scene. She's like talking, and it's just focused on like him in the bathroom and just his butt and these tidy whities. It's like, oh yeah, uh, uh, I, love, I love some good tidy whities. Yeah, too funny. Uh, so so on the ride home, Mia and Pearl are talking. You know, she says we're gonna stay. We get this weird subway flashback again, where Mia is on the subway. The the guy that's creepily staring at her turns into Elena, and also she's on the subway, and she seems to be with with a woman who perhaps was her partner. So we get these little like bits of like, this seems to be Mia's past. She was in a relationship with a woman at some point in time. I assume that this subway flashback in another episode, my hope is that it will grow and we'll see a scene play out of it of like, she's on the subway and this guy gets up and, you know, gets in her face or it's a guy that, you know, she was going to do a job, you know, she was going to make a, a, you know, an art piece for him or something. And then he did like something has to come out of this. Cause otherwise it's just strange to me. So I hope that it, it goes somewhere. Well, um, it will. I can tell you where it's going to go if you want to know. Oh, does this, is there like a, this isn't like placed like this in the book, right? I assume this is just a flashback scene in the book. So no, there isn't, um, there is not a, there's a flashback scene to match this in the book, Got but it. there, um, this is how they're introducing Pearl's father. Oh, got it. So, that so, guy is her father? The creepy subway well, guy? Biologically. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. Like, like, do you want spoilers? I, I, can... I think we could leave it at that, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for anybody who's watching the show, I don't want to, you know, spoil too much oh, of right. anything. So. Of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was almost just very inconsiderate. <laughs> That's totally fine. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, the episode ends off then with Elena has been calling to check one of Mia's references. You know, remember Elena rented this this apartment to to Mia and Pearl, um, and she calls to check up on the references. And this this guy that she calls is like, I've never heard of Mia Warren before. And then the episode ends with Mia in her dark room developing a picture of Elena, and then it ends and. That was a weird ending to me. I don't. It's, again, that that kind of ending though makes me feel like they're like, but is it Mia that burns down her house because she's so obsessed that she's developing a picture in her dark room? And I was like, it's Izzy. Izzy burns down the damn house. We know it's Izzy. Also, I, Izzy playing with fire in her room. I forgot that. That's in there too. Izzy's just like right, sitting yeah. in a room with a lighter. Like, yeah, they're like they're they're pushing those buttons pretty hard. I mean, I I thought I didn't have the same reaction that you did to the the dark room scene but <laughs> i did think that it was like they were really trying to set up mia and um elena as rivals yeah so i'm trying to look back I, there was i mean all in all 
uh, one of the things that I was watching this with Risa and one of the things that she brought up about it was that she felt like it was very much written sort of like a play that a lot of the characters had not like big long monologues but these like smaller monologues I, uh, particularly Mia and Pearl and sometimes there would be scenes where it was like one of them would have sort of a bigger chunk of dialogue and then and then Bill and Elena same thing where like one of them would have sort of a big chunk of dialogue um, but I did think that was interesting I did feel like sometimes it did seem sort of play-like. And I think it's just the nature of like a family drama uh, like this, but, but there it is. We, we, we get to the end of it. So I don't know, Andrew, you sort of hinted at it, but all in all, I mean, anything that I missed that you wanted to touch on any scenes that I didn't, you know, we didn't talk about or anything. How are you feeling about the whole thing? No, no, I, um, I think we touched on everything. Most of the time I would choose, like if you asked me if I was going to choose, like the book or the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. If it's a book that I wouldn't normally read, I'll like, there are, are plenty of examples of like books that like, I don't like, I'm not into the book, but, uh, but I will watch like the show or the movie. Yeah. Like, can you give and, me, can you give me a quick example off the top of your head? I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah like, uh, what, Oh my gosh. What is it? Like Jack Reacher. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure of any of the specific names, but yeah. Or, Did they make like, that a show with John Krasinski? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, Jack Ryan. Like, I, the, Jack like, Ryan, like, right. Yeah, anyway, like so stuff like that. Like, yeah. I'm a sucker for shows like that. Got like, it. You, you give me some blockbuster right. with a handsome, famous man who's going to, like, snap somebody's neck with his legs, and I <laughs> am there for it. But, <laughs> but, like, absolutely there for it. I'm yeah. I would be so into that, but I would never read the book. And I would, like, be such a snob about it, too. Yeah. Like, I do. She was like, ugh, you read that? Yeah. I, yeah. I, so I have a huge double standard. For this, even though, like, the book, I didn't love the book. There were things about the book that I really appreciated. Yeah. I did think that its construction was quite fine, and, mm-hmm. and I thought she did a good job of moving the story storyboard. I would choose the book over the show. Yeah. Personally. Why... <laughs> Why? I, I mean, that seems like such a general question, but beyond, you know, beyond just that you feel like the book, so you, I mean, you feel like the way that Celestine sort of moved the characters was better in the book than it was here in the show. Yeah, I, I thought, like, it, what was it about the book that was more interesting to me? Um, well, I, I think for one, the characters do feel a little more nuanced in the book. Um, I think just the, Elena's character is such a turnoff. Yeah. To me, like, she was so, she was so extreme. It just felt like, to me, it felt self-congratulatory a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like, Mm -hmm. like, there's nothing there. I I feel like I'm being told too much how to interpret. And and a little bit of guidance, I I don't, I I don't know, I don't hate that. Yeah. It can be be really comforting. Yeah. And and that is how I felt in the book. You know, like, I, I, I kind of had a sense in the book of where I was going, and that's exactly where I went. But, but there was some uh, some pleasure in that, and and I didn't find that in the show. Yeah, I it's hard to quantify for me sometimes why literary fiction I don't feel like always translates really well to to a TV show because like I was saying earlier, I'm with you. Like when they make Good Omens or The Golden Compass a TV show, like even if there's something I read, I'm like hell yeah, yeah. I want to see that. Or, you know, there's an there's a movie based on Artemis Fowl coming out. I love that book when I was a kid. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see them do. But 
when I read Normal People or or this book or, you know, gosh, even something like, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, you know, if they made a show out of the Nickel Boys, I would probably watch it, but I'd be a lot less interested in it. And I think it's just because so much of it just runs through the characters. And I think that fiction has a leg up on TV sometimes in that way, because on, on TV, when it's not something super plot heavy, like when we don't have Jack Ryan slash Reacher needing to bounce from place to place with gun in hand, you know, knocking down doors, we see yeah. what they do in their downtime. And sometimes it's like, it's too much. I don't need to see Elena hitting the alarm clock and portioning out the exact amount of wine and making her kids sandwiches. Like some of those really minute details get skipped in the book. The thing that the author presents to us are conversations that they have. Or if she really wanted to, she could write, Elena woke up and did this, but she doesn't. You know, we see Elena through conversations and, and other things. And so that's why I think sometimes in a show like this, it does feel like too much. It feels like they're guiding you too much because you have to see what they're doing every second. And then as an actor, you have to make those choices every second. Like, what am I doing with my hands in this scene? Well, I'm a I'm a pretty rigid, uh, you know, career mother with a lot of kids. So, of course, I'm going to be doing something that is for my family or for that. Like, you know, you have to make those conscious decisions. So it's it's so interesting to me that you know, the more sort of TV I watch based on literary fiction, the, the less I like it. And I'm with yeah. you. I, I would I would go back and finish this book before I'd move on and, and finish this show. And for me, it was just, it was like too overdramatic sometimes. Yeah. I, I, you know, and again, I feel like it's because, like you're saying, it's a little self-congratulatory or it's just the stereotypes are there. I feel like a lot of the time, the the actors in the show are just playing the, the story rather than being in the scene and you know instead of like being in the scene and interacting with the person across from you about what's happening here it's just they're playing i am this person and what ends up happening is this versus this i'm trying to think of a better way to sort of to phrase that of like sometimes as an actor it's difficult not to to for better or worse act out the end of the story that is being told i remember that a lot in plays of like you know you you when i was in plays it was like you know, you start a play and like if you're in Romeo and Juliet, you know, if you're playing Juliet, you have to find the things that you like in Romeo and fall in love. You can't just start off being totally in love and also sad because you're going to die at the end. Like, you know, you have to stay. This sounds so stupid and not stupid. It sounds so hippie, but you have to stay in the moments, right? Like you have to play the moments as they come because that's the way we live our lives. We don't know what's going to happen. So I feel like sometimes it's so easy to just kind of look towards the end of the story and 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 act that out. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like a lot of this was just sort of very dramatic. I think I would have liked it if a lot more of it came through the the kids because I, I don't know. I just feel like seeing the world from their point of view is a little bit more interesting than seeing it from Mia and Elena's point of view. And I feel like the book gave us more of that. I do appreciate in the show that Izzy was in it more. That was my big gripe about the first 50 pages of the book is she was like not in it at all. Not I was around, like, yeah. where is this character that burned down her house? Like, give me that. So, Yeah, so like that, that's a, re a welcome revision. It's true. Yeah. Like it's good to see her right away. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I, I was not was not gripped. Yeah. Was there anything you you did really like about the show? If like somebody out there is sort of still sort of on the fence about watching it, that you would feel like, well, if you know, if you like this part of things, then um, oh, man, <laughs> this, 
like this is the nice and mean thing, but <laughs> I'm trying to. Be, oh, I'm no, giving no, you the no, opportunity no. to be a nice. I'm, I'm gonna be mean. I'm gonna, <laughs> do, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be mean. Um, I, no, I did not, I didn't, no. Yeah. Um, it, like, it's glossy, it looks pretty, it's got pretty people in it. Yeah. Um, it's dealing with, like, it, it is dealing with important issues, but I didn't find that it was dealing with them in a way that felt interesting and illuminating and challenging, right. and that's what I wanted. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's gonna be a no for me. <laughs> There's nothing in it. I mean, the, despite my you know sort of picking, the, I, I did think a lot of the acting was good. And you're right, it does it does look nice. I don't think it offers much as sort of a there's not a there's not a who done it sort of aspect to it. So like for me, I ended not sort of what what do you think what do you think the end of that episode wants the viewer to to want in the next episode. I think that oh, that's a good question. I I would say the viewer probably is going to want to see more conflict between between uh, Mia and Elena. Yeah, I I think you're right, and that's what that that last scene sets up to me. Like you were saying, it sort of sets them up as rivals. It wants you to feel like like it wants you to watch the next episode to see what happens with their relationship. So much more interesting to me, even when when you were just saying. It would be so much more interesting to me to sort of end it on something with Mia and Izzy, and because again, there was this nice symmetry of mothers and daughters, and and them both feeling like they're having trouble connecting with their daughter. But yeah. then it's so interesting to me to see the other one connect with the other one's daughter. Like that's a more interesting thing to me to want to keep watching more than just like they yeah. don't like each other because there's, it doesn't even feel like they don't like each other because of a specific incident or because their personalities, it just feels like they don't like each other because Elena is like, so stereotypically, I'm a white person who's never met a black person before. I don't know what to say to you. And, and of course then Mia feels like I, I have no connection with you because you're just so goddamn awkward. Like, so, so that I, again, I, I, I left this episode not really caring what happens to these characters. There's no sort of struggle for me to under want to understand why Izzy burned down the house. You know, her mom kind of sucks <laughs> and, and is kind of controlling. Like, I get it. She burned down the house. She is not her puppet. <laughs> She's not. She's nobody's puppet. <laughs> not yours. Not mine. She's nobody's puppet. Nobody's. Yeah. Well, there it is. I guess. I mean, it's a it's a, a book and a book for for Andrea and for myself. That all being said, I probably won't go back and read the book but given the choice I, I i would definitely rather yeah i'd rather go through with that so well thank you so much andrea for for talking this Thanks, this um is there anything uh on tv right now that you would recommend anything you have been liking oh yeah absolutely i just started watching the last episode of or the last uh, season of the bachelor oh um, decided to like really just lean in to the indulgent aspects of nice. porn and watch some like really great terrible reality television nice gosh darn it if it isn't just like a great social experiment <laughs> for it did you watch yeah. did you watch the netflix thing um oh god i mean it is making me feel sad about my eyelashes <laughs> 
like what what was the netflix show that on and like they're all like i've got like four eyelashes left <laughs> so r.i.p eyelashes but... what risa just watched this show um ah love is blind did you watch love is blind not watched love is blind yet um i mean i did watch tiger king with the rest of america there you go and then uh, I've been, oh, and I've been leaning into my love of old musicals. Ooh, all right. Uh, and watching a lot of those. And nice. So maybe you'll have an answer to this question, but where did surrealism start in film? Because <laughs> every old musical is always like a crazy scene, like some weird ballet or like something. There's always something strange and interpretive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what and, what what movie specifically? I feel like I saw you in your Instagram post. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so I watched. Um, it's called. I think it's called Gang. The Gang's All Here. The Gang's All Here. Okay. Um, it's like a, a World War II musical. It's one of those like let's get the gang together yep. and put on a show. Put on a show. Yep. Put on a show in the old barn. Yep. Yeah. And so they've got um the uh, one of the actors in it is that uh, woman Carmen Miranda who was famous for wearing the oh, fruit hat. The fruit hat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so like she's she's in it, and then there's this like dance sequence where she's like she's singing, and then there's this like uh, they've created the set to look like a desert island. Oh, okay. But it's just supposed to look like an island. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to think that it actually is one, and so it's got these like fake palm trees, and then it's like covered with these chorus girls who are wearing these like fluffy yellow skirts. They're supposed <laughs> to make them look like bananas. <laughs> And then they're also all holding giant bananas, like, <laughs> like five feet, like five foot bananas. Oh my god! And like perform choreography with. And at one point, like they're all standing in a circle holding these giant bananas, and they're like moving the bananas like back and then like oh closer into the circle. So this circle, it looks like, like it looks like the mouth of a piranha. Like it just looks genuinely terrifying. <laughs> Like if you hired David Lynch to direct <laughs> a Viagra commercial, this is what would happen. Like it's so, it's so crazy, and and yet it happened oh my in the in the forties or fifties or like yep. whenever it got made. Um, you know, so much. First of all, when I mean that's a great question for for Hannah, who is who's been on the podcast um, about when it started, but. A couple things on that. I mean, number one, I think so much old film, all of those actors had started their careers on the stage. But I also think when films, there were so many films that got big, they had they had to compete with what you could go and see on stage. So there was always a dance number. There was us. I mean, I love the Marx Brothers. I my my dad loved the Marx Brothers, and they're just they're they're kind of screwball comedies. But there always was a song. There was always the like ingenue lovers that had to sing a song to each other and that. And you're like, boo, boring, let's move on. But like they had to give you a little bit of everything, right? But especially musical adaptations, there are some really bonkers ones. I feel like you and I have talked about this before, but it's got to be worth mentioning. One of Reese's favorites that I don't love but also kind of love is the movie adaptation of Thoroughly Modern Millie with Julie Andrews. It is a weird one, and freaking Carol Channing, yeah, raspberries. It's like it's like there's so much of it that it's just so weird and so strange. Yeah, like that's that's the kind of thing. So if you're wondering what Andrew and I are talking about, and you can find the old Julie Andrews uh, 
somebody else was in that shoot. Reese is gonna kill me. Was it? Was it crap. Uh, no, I have to look this up so that Reese doesn't doesn't strangle me when when she listens to this. Thoroughly, no, damn it, I'm not typing. Thoroughly modern. I mean, part of it is part of it is done almost like a silent movie. Like there are things that like. Julie Andrews as Millie will like turn to the camera and then like words will appear. Like it's really, they really did a lot with it. Like they really tried to do a lot. It is Mary Tyler Moore. Julie Andrews, Mary Tyler Moore, good old Carol Channing. That one's got, uh, that one's got some old, uh, old fashioned, <laughs> bad, bad uh, Asian stereotypes in it. Uh, actually, Pat Morita, the Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid, is is credited in the movie as Oriental Number Two. So you know, there's oh, we, we, we're we're looking at that kind of thing. But yeah, musical adaptations at, at some point in time were just so freaking weird, but in a great way. Like every yeah. scene in that movie is a different color. Like they, they just lit, they went for it. Just like at one scene, everybody's wearing green, and then the next scene, everyone's wearing red, and it's just it's crazy. Oh, oh man, love that. So good. Well, good. I have a co-op board meeting that I got to go to. Oh, fun times. Well, show them Thoroughly Modern Millie and they'll never <laughs> they'll never let you leave your apartment. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking Little Fires Everywhere. That's a book choice for Andrea and myself, but hope everyone's staying safe out there. Thank you, Andrea. You will be back sometime very soon, correct? Yes, I will. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> goodbye, from, goodbye from me. Goodbye from Andrea. And goodbye from, from us who are not your puppets. Furthermore, it was written by Andy Dorado. It's produced, edited, directed, and all the music that you hear is by Andy Dorado. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there. Things are getting scary again, so please make sure you're being careful and washing your hands and drinking tea. We've talked about the tea before. You need to drink more tea. Hey, did you know Furthermore is on Instagram? We are at Furthermore Podcast, all one word. That's the best place to find out when we're posting new episodes or stuff that I'm working on at any point in time. All the artwork for Furthermore is done by a good friend of the podcast, Max Farinato, who you can find on Instagram at cbartist underscore. Max also does Twitch streams and all kinds of other great stuff. You can find more of his work, if you want to buy anything, at maxfarinto dot com. Thank you, Max. Hope you're staying safe too, bud. I wish I had a book of the month to recommend to you. I don't know what month it is anymore. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I recorded this episode, it was it was months ago, and, and having a newborn, it's just time feels like it's both moving so quickly and also very very slowly. Uh, I can tell you that I can tell you that TV wise, we did a furthermore firsts on Parks and Rec, which I subsequently then rewatched and really quite enjoyed that. So if you're in need of something to pick up your spirits and want to rewatch or just pick up Parks and Rec, I do highly recommend that show. It's one of my favorites. I have been slowly but surely making my way through Fool and Serpent of Venice by Christopher Moore bookwise because uh, Christopher Moore's new book Shakespeare for Squirrels is out right now, but I, I mean very slowly. Without a commute still at the moment, uh, my reading time has been cut down to just before bed when I, uh, my wife and I put our daughter to sleep and then I sleepily try to read for five minutes. So anytime I have some more book recommendations or new stuff to get back to you on, oh, I promise I will. I want to thank Andrea again for coming on the podcast. Uh, this was a lot of fun to do. We both were sort of in sync on this one, um, and, and this was a lot of fun. I'm glad that Andrea had finished the book. Like I said earlier, I probably won't go back and finish the book, but uh, if you do make it through this TV show and you have a lot more to say, let me know. Reach out to us on Instagram. I'm curious what other people have thought about this. This really was. I, I could tell as I was watching this episode. 
no, I, I don't want to watch any more of this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Furthermore. Like I said, hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there. And hey, even though I'm having <laughs> trouble finding time to read, I hope that you are making through thousands and thousands of books every month and just loving every single one of them. I'm Andy Dorado, and hey, keep reading. If we were an accident, I'll swear you to the stars. Regression's just a point on a line we call a scar. I made a vow.